Good day, listeners. This is IronRadio.org, and I'm Robert Fortress Fortney, a powerlifter, former competitive bodybuilder, and former editor of Muscle Mag International. And this is Charles Staley, creator of Escalating Density Training, author of Muscle Logic, and I'm also a master's level competitive weightlifter. Uh, this is Phil Stevens, strength coach, uh, founder of LiftForHope.org, and record holding competitive powerlifter. Um, and for everyone listening today, our guest is uh, Jimmy Smith. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Jimmy. Oh, thank you guys for having me. Look forward to it. Oh, no problem. Thanks for coming. Um, for anybody who doesn't know Jimmy, uh, he's kind of a he started off as a high school and collegiate stud, you know, and an athlete, and uh, but likely best known for his articles in in Maximum Fitness magazine, where he also serves on the advisory board. Uh, men's fitness, natural bodybuilding, uh, fitness magazines, as well as the Teen Nation. Jimmy has just numerous e-books that he's and, uh, launched all those on jimmysmithtraining.com where uh, he could bring it out to everybody and offers advice on uh, helping you reach your physique goals and whatnot. Um, Jimmy, again, thanks for joining us. And if I, I missed anything out there, feel free to jump in. No, that's yeah, just about it. Uh, aside from uh, the master's degree, that, that's yeah. about it. I mean, it's always funny when you have to do those introductions. Oh, you yeah. don't know what to say about yourself, you know. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, the master's degree in the CSCS too as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess we'll just jump right into it. Um, we kind of like going with the, the old customary question. For some reason, everybody likes to hear it. But uh, how'd you get started in strike training in the first place? You kind of, I know you mentioned, you know, watching TV shows of jacked wrestlers and, and superheroes as a kid mm-hmm. and whatnot. But yeah, it's funny because I always, as a kid growing up, loved. <clears throat> excuse me, and if, if I keep cutting out, it's because I have this intense. Um, like sinus infection, so a little under the weather. But, no, I started out as a kid uh, in the 80s watching pro wrestling. This is when wrestling was, like, on top, you know, that and American Gladiators, and the physiques were just enormous. And that's when I was picking up, you know, Bill Phillips' muscle media. I was seeing Charles' articles in there. I was reading them, and I was like, this is the coolest thing. So being 6'6", you know, you have more or less one choice. I live around the New York City area, so it's basketball all the way. And I I was skinny up until uh, college, so I I knew when I wanted to make the jump from high school to college basketball, I knew it was a big jump, so I had to get started. I had to get in the weight room. I had to get stronger. So I started training, and then when I went to college, I kept doing it. You know, I needed to, to stay at a pretty high level that I was at. And then I said, when I came out, it was just a natural progression for me. I loved doing it. By that time now in college, I've been doing all the research in the world. Yeah. You know, I'd been I'd been reading everybody's stuff possible. And I said, let me just jump right into it. So, I, you know, when I got out of college, I had a BS. I have a BS, actually, in exercise science. So I did that, and I said, let me take a step further. Let me get the master's, and let me get uh, started in strength training and strength coaching. So that's kind of the short story. Kind of rolled around. And then yeah. one of the things I noticed that uh... – you kind of made the the transition there from athlete to almost almost totally physique based, wouldn't you say? I mean, yeah. is that correct? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Again, I started. I was training, you know, quote unquote, like an athlete, uh-huh. and then somehow I started getting hurt in college, and things just started happening. And I said, you know what? I love the big physiques. Yeah. So I just went, and I ended up just total focus on bodybuilding, the eating, the lifestyle. And when I got out of college, I said, you know what? I, I just love it. I love how I felt. Yeah. I love how it changed my life uh, from a whole host of, of different, you know, issues. It helped me. So I said, let, let me just go bodybuilding full-time. Let me just do it. And I, and I loved it. Hey, you know, and I know, you know, one of the other things you mentioned on your on your site was, uh, again, again, the superheroes and wrestlers and how, how the big jack guys seemed to always win, and they also always got the girl. 
So that that doesn't hurt either. No, that that doesn't hurt at all. hmm. And you know, growing up in the '80s, right? Like, what what are the movies? It's Schwarzenegger and Commando, you know, dominating a whole village, you know, a hundred guys in five minutes, and it's Stallone being all ripped up and Rocky and Rambo. So you're like the guys with the muscles, the guys with the abs, get the girls, they dominate, they win. Yeah. 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 Sure. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, totally true. I mean, that's definitely dominated. Now it's kind of, it's kind of, we got to shift now a yeah. bit, but, uh, I think that always happens. I mean, do you think that trend's going to come back around again? I hope. I mean, I think now all the, like, all the superhero movies they're making, and don't get me wrong, Hugh Jackman, for all intents and purposes, looked fantastic in the past Wolverine movie, but I, you know, with all the superhero stuff, it's going to come to a point where you, you can't get the actors that are, you know, 185 pounds to play a superhero. You know, Ben Affleck as uh, as the Daredevil just didn't do it. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, I've been I've been CGI. lamenting all the for the past uh, decade or so the uh, seeming death of of the Schwarzenegger type physiques in those action movies. Yeah. I mean, nothing yeah. against guys like Matt Damon, but you know. Right. It, it's you know, hard to now, find the guys too. Now I'm like completely depressed because I always thought the guy with the biggest power clean got the girl, and uh, <laughs> now I'm realizing I have it all backwards. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I mean, you see it time and time again. I mean, we're, we're going back to the girl thing, though. But you hear, you know, they they like the Brad Pitts and this and that. But I'm telling you, you see it time and time again. A big guy, you know, some for some reason. I mean, I may be wrong, but from from women I've talked to, you know, they they seem to gravitate towards the the big guy that can protect them. You know, right. I don't know. Yeah. And I kind of felt like I had to do it being six six. Because I was like, what am I going to do, be 6'6", 200 pounds? Oh, like, yeah. I don't care how ripped up I am. That's just not going to look good. Yeah. You know, so I was like, I have to put on some size. So what are you walking around at now? Then? Uh, I walk around comfortably at about uh, 240 nice. to about 245, around 8%, 9% body fat. Yeah. So I, I don't try to get any lower, you know, because I'm past it. I'm not going to compete. I want to get right on that edge. Yeah. And it's to the point where I'm comfortable. I like how I look at about 240, 6'6", so I'm happy. I mean, how heavy have you been? Uh, the heaviest I've been is 265. Okay. Yeah, a, a little body fat there, but you know, it, uh, I kind of I, I went against everything I always tell people. Like I don't tell people to do these all-out binge eating things because it's just from a health perspective, it's not there. But I was so stuck at about 215 for the longest time, and I said, you know what? It, it's the food intake's always the issue, more or less, 90% of the time. Yeah. So I said, let me just pound the calories. I didn't like how I felt, but it, it served its purpose. Uh, from both a strength and a physique perspective, after I, you know, did my quote unquote cutting cycle and got low. Oh, yeah, it yeah. likely got you where you are quicker. It did. Than if you tried to nibble away at it. Yeah, <laughs> that's what yeah. I like telling people. You want to get somewhere, you know, mark that point on your map, and the easiest way to get to it is go above it and drop down on it. Yeah. The, the the fastest path is not straight. Exactly. <laughs> you know. No, it worked for me, and I, oh, yeah. you know, I didn't like how I felt when it when it was that way, but I did it during the holidays, so I got to enjoy, you know, right. Halloween, Thanksgiving, and, and Christmas. So I oh, happy. I hear you. I mean, you know, as a as a powerlifter went on, I mean, I'm definitely there's moments of uncomfort, you know, just walking around. It's like, man, I'm heavy, <laughs> but you know, the moments I have that I like is, you know, you get under the barbell and the performance aspect, but it, but it's true. Exactly. I mean, you don't feel at times you definitely don't feel your best. Well, no, I mean, eating huge quantities of food always makes you feel kind of lousy. And like yeah. you're saying, Phil, I mean, whatever you weigh, if you are eating enough food, it always seems like you got that extra 10, 12 pounds just sitting in your gut. 
Yeah. But yeah. It, as you say, when you go into the gym, it, that's that's where you can see the you know the reap the benefits of that kind yeah. of you know fueling. For sure, and and I'm all legs too, so I was like, <laughs> I need to put some size on fast, which is a good thing because yeah. a lot of a lot of tall guys hate it, they hate training their legs. But I know if I want to put on five pounds and not binge, I'm training my legs twice a week. Yeah. Maybe I'm squatting three times, you know. Yeah. Well, a lot of times it's tough for tall guys to squat. I mean, you hear it all the oh, time. Oh, it's painful. And then it's you know it's also ego dropping that ego, especially for taller people. And, yeah. Know, maybe yeah. lower the weight a little bit and you know get your ass down there, but. uh well, the thing is, when you're a tall guy, it's you're kind of at a disadvantage for a while because it, you know you need correspondingly so much more mass to kind of fill the frame out. But the the good side is, if you keep at it for many years, ultimately you're the going to be the one that's going to be more physically have the more you know the uh, the presence about you, right? So yeah, I mean, I, everywhere we go, like I literally me and my girlfriend were out to dinner last night. And some guy started asking me, you know, well, I know you had to play a sport. Because I have a shaved head, I'm 6'6", yeah. six, six, I'm 240, so he, he assumes I'm an athlete. Yeah. You know, now people assume I've played football my whole life. It's, mm-hmm. it's just they always assume you're, you're somebody. Yeah. Oh, hey, yeah. Jimmy, I'd be curious, the word tall has come up a lot here, so I, I'm, being 6'6", six, six, I'd be curious to see if you have any uh, specific thoughts for tall guys in terms of uh, – in terms of training or nutrition, probably more related to training, but you know it's a challenge to be to be that tall and and to to put on uh, you know quality weight. Your leverages uh, are 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 not really optimal f- for lifting, and so I just wondered if you had developed any thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah, I get asked that a lot because people hear you know my story being so tall, and other tall guys want to you know ask me questions, and I. It's all about ego with a lot of times because, listen, when you see me squat, even if I have the best form in the world, it's just not pretty. You know, I squat with guys. Uh, one of my training partners is uh, is six foot, and he just gets under the bar, and he does miracles underneath the bar. But when I do it, it's a completely different thing. So a lot of times with training with me, it's ego with the squat. Don't be so concerned about, you know, how much do you bench press because a lot of my friends now still around 25 to the to 30-year-old still are concerned about the numbers they put up. Listen, I'd love to have a huge bench press, but I know for me it's it's not there. Now, a deadlift, on the other hand, I absolutely love them because I'm mechanically inclined uh, to deadlift. So I just tell people all the time, I'll deadlift till the cows come home. I love it because of my, my long arms, you know. Um, so it's just really you have to get away from it and, and break the norm. Because a lot of people go online and they read articles that, that are the authors mean well saying you have to squat, you have to bench. But when you're a tall guy, you necessarily can't take that. It, it, it becomes too cookie-cutter at that point. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah. have to say, listen, you know, like front squats for me are awful. You know, you, oh, you put me in a bar under the front squat, and it's just terrible. So, you know, back that off, and then I'll go more split squats and single leg work just because it works for me. Definitely. Sure. I mean, I've, yeah, I've, I've written an article about, you know, the deadlift and the, the cookie-cutter aspect that a lot of coaches put out there. You know, there's only one way to do it, and it's just it's just wrong. You know, when it comes down to that, there's, yeah. there's too many different body types. And, you know, you being tall and long-legged, I'm, I'm not as tall, but, you know, same thing. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll deadlift all day long because, it, relatively, i got long levers compared to the rest yeah. of me. And it's, uh, there's just different ways for each person to do it. And, well, it's interesting because people um, used to always talk about how Frank Columbo was – you know, so much stronger than Arnold, and and certainly in what he could display, you know, via weight lifted, that might have been true. But I always countered that it might not necessarily be be that he's actually stronger. It's just that Arnold had to, you know, push through so much time and space. So, you know, yeah. to move the same amount of weight would require, you know, correspondingly that much more more strength at in actuality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that's always the thing. I mean, I, I always tell people I've never seen a, an old black and white photo of Lou Ferrigno squatting. You know, cause as a kid, uh, I grew up in the Incredible Hulk, and I absolutely loved it. And once I, I realized that <laughs> Louis is like six five or six six, and to to be that big, and I said, I've never seen a picture of Louis squatting. I've seen him doing everything else. I've seen pictures of Louis deadlifting. I've never seen him squatting. You know, that's funny, and it just when you say that, it just occurs to me I never have either. That's a very good point. Actually, I've seen I've seen one picture of him black and white work where he was uh, demonstrating a squat at some sort of seminar like about huh. thirty years ago. But yeah, that's the one. Only one I've ever seen either, so. Yeah, I mean, you always see the black and whites of, of Arnold and Dave Draper, you know, bending the bar. And, I mean, Arnold, for someone around 6'1", 6'2", whatever he was, that's, you know, that's an accomplishment. Yeah. Well, sure. His his form was abismal, but it, he did yeah. it, though, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, that, now that we're kind of on the topic of, you know, Arnold and Lou and, and that, and what you had mentioned earlier, you know, you're walking around 240, you know, 8% or so, and we talked about things coming back around again. I'm kind of seeing a resurgence of, uh, in, in the physique, not so much the guys that are big, not not wanting to get that that paper thin three percent look. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of going back to the days of Arnold and Lou, where you they were they weren't quite that lean. Right. They were jacked and they they looked real. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, would you think that's the true statement? I mean, no, I completely agree with you on that. It's like it's, it, it's not real for a while. Uh, people looked at the magazines and they said, wow, I can look like that if I take the protein, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So they did that, and then they're like, well, that's not happening. And, yeah. and then now with a lot of the magazines, they have more more fitness-based guys as opposed to bodybuilders on them. It's still not a reality. And then yeah. I think the good thing about Hollywood, with the exception of Brad Pitt and Fight Club, because he was ridiculously lean, most of the guys are at about 8 9%. Yeah. And, and it's hard work getting 8 9%. It's harder getting to 3%, yeah. but it's hard work getting to 8 9%. So yeah. I think mass media is helping that too with a lot of people, and you see, like, you know, the traditional thing is a woman looks at a picture of Arnold and says, "Oh, that's gross," you know. So I think guys are taking that now. Yeah. Well, the thing is also is that people don't realize that you know they, they throw you know percentages far too, uh, you know, um, lazily. You know, like, oh, he's he's really lean. He's two, three percent body fat. It's like you know, as you say, I mean, maintaining eight, nine, ten percent body fat. Certainly, if you're carrying any sort of you know, appreciable muscle mass is, is still quite an accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely is. And, I mean, you're right. People throw around numbers just too liberally. People look in the mirror and say, well, I think I'm this, as opposed to, to actually getting it tested. Yeah. And then even if, you know, you go to your local trainer at the gym, it's not a knock on anybody doing body fat testing, but a lot of the times with the calipers, it's not <laughs> going to be the most accurate depending on the tester. Yeah. Right. No doubt about that. In the, in the people doing it. Um, yeah. Uh, again, everybody, uh, Jimmy Smith with us today from jimmysmithtraining.com. Um, I wanted to hit one more thing here because the topic of the day kind of ties into a lot of what you've said on your uh, on your site and whatnot, so so I don't want to get into that now. But just wanted to see if, uh, you know, if you got anything new coming down the pike, what, what can your fans expect coming up from you on your site and whatnot? There's, there's nothing new planned. I'm just going to keep writing, and, and I love just interaction when I get people to email me because that's when I think of, of new ebooks or that's when I think of new articles because I have to step outside of myself because I know as a 26-year-old guy, maybe I want to go in the gym you know, and try to train like Mr. Olympia, but I don't. that's not necessarily the way people want it. So I'll get emails from you know, 45-year-old guys that talking about their back problems. And I say, well, maybe that's going to be an article. So yeah. that that's just, there's nothing planned coming down the pipe for right now, but, uh, you know, I always jump on opportunities as soon as there I get them. There you go. <clears throat> gotcha. I understand that completely. Well, let's, uh, let's hit the topic of the day, then. 
um, our topic of the day is going to be um, the psychological benefits of, of strength training or, or training for you know a good physique, whatnot, um, whatever you're training for. Um, I reading over Jimmy's bio and whatnot, and I noticed that came up a lot on the site. And I mean, it's already come up in the in the conversation we've had so far. Just kind of the way you feel, and uh, you know how it can just building a better physique and getting, I guess, for a generic term, more healthy, more fit. Um, it can have a positive impact on just your your mind and the rest of your life. It kind of feeds into everything else. Um, you know, I've, I've done much the same thing going in my own life, going from from 300 plus pounds, you know, flabby to to skinny and ripped, and I went on up and back down. And it, it's just amazing how how that confidence leads into work, into life, into relationships, and, and all that. And just wanted to get everybody's uh, everybody's you know feedback on that. Well, there's certainly a correlation somehow between, you know, exercise and, you know, um, uh, maximizing the, your physicality and, and probably, you know, psychological health and m- mental health. I mean, obviously, um, in the mental health industry, it's it, it's um, one of the first things that, that's suggested is that uh, people who suffer some sort of um, depression or anxiety or so forth do exercise. So, I mean, they, they go back and forth as far as, um, the, you know, the healthy body, healthy mind and vice versa. Yeah. I mean, so you're kind of hinting that more of the actual, you know, the physical markers that you can actually see from from. Training. Well, yeah, but I I think that there's just, um, I mean, there's a, there must be some sort of physiological um, benefit that occurs, kind of that that's transferred outside of the actual exercising activity onto yeah, just a yeah. person's psychological well-being. Oh, yeah, I mean, it kind of, I agree. It, I think it boils down on all levels. You know, it's just confidence, and then you know. At a hormonal level, and you know, just a physical level, you move. Yeah, and I'm not even talking about the the aesthetic benefits either. I'm talking yeah. about, like I said, just the way you feel about it. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, well, I, you know, clearly that's ultimately why why we all train. I mean, you ostensibly may claim that you're looking to get stronger or bigger or leaner or faster, but the secondary question is, why do you want to be faster or stronger or leaner. Yeah. And That's a good the question. reason is that I think this does revolve around confidence and uh uh, uh and, and and by the way for any for any trainers out there or aspiring trainers or or people who who want to be publishing in this industry that's an important thing to realize. Mm-hmm. You might be selling an ebook uh about getting stronger or bigger or leaner but you should never lose sight of the fact that really what what you're selling is confidence. Yeah. No, I mean, I even have buddies that uh, they love going to the gym, and they'll tell me, well, I didn't go to the gym today, so I know I'm going to eat bad. And it, they, they come out and they admit that. And a lot, I think a lot of people are that way, is that eating for them, kind of training for them, rather, is their underlying thing. If they train, they feel better about themselves. They don't make poor choices at night if they go out or, or, or whatever. And, and like Charles said, if, for a lot of people that, that are just starting the industry that want to publish, I don't think they understand that. Yeah, maybe you're selling something on how to get six pack abs, but you know you you can sell on the feeling a lot more. You know, people people associate having six pack abs with all right. When I have those abs, this this and this will happen. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's very sure. true. Um, yeah, it's definitely. I mean, totally into the self esteem aspect, and you know, I one thing I say time and time again to people, it's like you got to be a little self centered. You know, if you're going to do this stuff, and it's not bad. You know, people see self-centered as bad, and it's not. You've got to really want it for you. Well, it's like uh, it's like I, I was reading an interview recently with Gene Simmons, um, 
Now, he might be a, on the far extreme end of these types of things, but he was saying, you know, it, it's almost like a bad thing to say, you know, well, I have to take care of myself first and mm-hmm. put myself first. And he's saying, but, you know, in actuality, if I don't, who else will? Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's a person's responsibility to take care of themselves. And, and, and that by, by virtue kind of demands that you be a little self-centered in aspects of your life. Oh yeah, and I I think I full on believe that 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 bit of self centeredness also it kind of bleeds into better relationships with other people, you know. Because if you feel like crap about yourself, you know you end up treating other people like crap, you know. And it just it 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 hurts the rest of your life. I like the point that Jimmy made uh, a couple minutes ago there about how when you're in the throes of of a, of a exercise or workout or training regime, it, it tends to kind of um, promote within you a desire to. Um, make make better choices out just say even outside of the sport or the gym or whatever because um, you somehow want to you know um, maximize the, the benefits and, and your efforts in the gym or in your sport so you kind of you tend to make better food choices or, or think about those things whereas um, you know even as far as your sleeping habits or your um, stress levels and being more aware of are you stressed how are you feeling anxiety and trying to minimize those neg- negatives that can certainly occur in, in our society. Yeah, I think that's big. I mean, I remember I was 21 or 22 going out to the bar a lot with one of my buddies, and I don't know if this is a fact or whatever, but I read an article saying that for every drink you have, you can kiss two weeks of what you've done in the gym goodbye. So oh, wow. Again, yeah, maybe that's true. Maybe the author was just you know saying right. something. But I remember being at the bar that night saying, you know what, I'm going to have Diet Coke and water. Because there's no way I'm going to throw away two weeks in the gym. I was that dedicated, that focused on my training. And I think bodybuilding gets knocked a lot because people say, oh, you know, they're a bodybuilder. They just, all they care about is eating and going to the gym. Well, it appeals to a lot of people. A lot of people just are so focused on their health and their body that they know eating, gym, rest, recovery, sleep, do it all over again. Yeah. Well, and the funny thing that I always see in that is that, you know, I, I trained for five, six years to stay at, you know, pretty low body fat at about 230 and uh it wasn't me that had the problem with it with my lifestyle it's the other people and it was like why do you have a problem if i'm eating chicken breast and drinking water (laughs) i don't so what's your problem that's that's another good point phil that's a a great point (laughs) well well let me just say the answer is is because it makes them look bad by comparison (laughs) (laughs) true i mean you know very simple yeah but i mean how many times have have you guys been out to uh, to dinner? Uh, it happened to me last year. There were six of us out to dinner uh, right before New Year's Eve, and we were at a Chinese food restaurant, and I'm ordering, you know, I'm saying, can I get the chicken without the sauce on the top? And mm-hmm. is there a way that I can get brown rice that's not fried? And the guy next to me is eating whatever he wanted to, and he was like, well, you know, I'm going to start back in the gym next week because he felt bad by association because of how good I was eating compared to how bad he was eating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the other, you know, swing back the other direction, you know, now that I'm more powerlifting, I mean, I still eat, I eat for my goals, but, you know, I get around these same people, maybe I haven't seen them for a year or two, and, you know, say this time, I'm ordering them with the potatoes and, and with the gravy and stuff, and they, oh, look, he fell off the wagon. Yeah. No, no, I didn't, you know, I'm eating for my goals, you know, I got to get up to 280 here, you know, and it's the, uh, you know, it's. Well, that 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 in and of itself is something that's very confusing. I mean, just last week I was talking with a woman, and she was um, commenting on the fact that I was eating the entire time we were talking. And I said, "Well, you know, I try and eat five or six times a day." And she was just, you know, her eyes kind of bulged out, and she's like, "Why would you do that?" And I said, "Because I'm trying to gain weight." And I mean, 
the look on her face was priceless. I mean, it's just it, it, it's just not usual. Everybody in our society wants to lose weight. Nobody wants to gain weight, you know. So yeah. that that yeah. concept is kind of hard for a lot of people to wrap their heads around. It's it's neat when you get on both sides of those spectrums. And uh, I don't know. I think a big thing to do, you know, coming back to the the mental aspect of training and nutrition, it's just you've got to get you got to have your that self confidence in yourself. You know, in what you're doing. And if you have that, then it really doesn't matter what others think. And that's a kind of a beautiful thing, you know, if you can gain that. Right. Well, maybe, you know, it goes back to the first time everybody starts taking protein powder. I have a friend, a female, who really wanted to get in great shape. Like, she wanted to get into I want to step on stage shape. She started drinking the protein powder, and she started taking her fish oils. You know, not going crazy with the supplements, just healthy stuff. And her family was, why are you doing that? You know, why why are you eating egg whites? Why are you throwing the yolks out? I think people are, are so afraid of of one person being so dedicated mm-hmm. that they may not be, yeah. that there starts to get a lot of that negative stuff coming out. Well, although in her defense, though, Jimmy, um, you could make a you could make an argument for the idea that protein powder could be like a gateway substance for things like creatine. Right. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> that's a nice one, Charles. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was kind of good. <laughs> No, but I mean the psychological um, um, training that even uh, to use the word train that that you experience when you when you engage in exercise or some sort of workout regime. I mean it it certainly transfers to all aspects of life. I mean discipline. I mean certainly if you don't have discipline before doing it, you'll develop it, and if you don't develop it, you won't last in that anyway. So you'll still be the undisciplined person you ever were. So. Um, but if you do last for any length of time, I mean, it's going, it's going to, you're, you're going to have to be disciplined and um, learn responsibility for some of your actions and these types of things, and and, and maybe being more um, detail oriented with things that you do. So, I mean, these are all very um, beneficial things that can, um, you know, um, further all sorts of attributes of somebody's life. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, I think one of the one of the, the books of late that's kind of covered that, you know, Dave Tate's Under the Bar book. Okay. And you know just all the lessons learned under the barbell and how that's bled into business and and uh, and all that you know, and I mean for anybody that trains hard and whatnot you you know it it's true I mean just on the short term and long term you know you go in and have a great workout you leave the gym and you're on fire for the rest of your day and everything you do you know well nothing certainly beats that uh, that that rush that you get from from succeeding at something that you're very passionate about I mean, um so yeah I mean then that. Transfers over to all again, like I say, all all different uh, components of somebody's life. And then, yeah, then you can go to the therapeutic benefits of it. You know, maybe you're having a crappy day, and then, well, I'm going to the gym. Are there? Does anybody? Uh, it's unfortunate we don't have Lonnie on here. Does do any of you know of any studies that actually show direct correlation between uh, mood and exercise and so forth? I mean, certainly there's been lots of it, um, people banting about 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 that, but I don't know if there's any been a scientific direct correlation that's been uh, shown. There have been studies, and I think most of them uh, do count a positive correlation. Um, But, you know, again, it just uh, depends on what type of activity you're doing and so forth and so on. But, uh, uh, you know, I mean, how how often do people talk about the adrenaline rush and the runner's high, which the runner's high is basically just your brain thinking that you're being chased by uh, something. Uh, But uh, that's a whole different thing. But, but, you know, people do this... uh, to alter their state, you know. I mean, there's a big, uh, there's a big uh, correlation to that. Yeah. Well, it's amazing how you know when people are talking about the people who have a difficulty getting into exercise or, or becoming physically active, how they're so um, 
it must be. It's hard for probably us to to, to um, if, you know empathize with them because you know all of us that are on the show right now, you know, have been doing it for so long, and it's just part of our lifestyle. But you know, people talk about, it and you're always thinking to yourself, man, you feel so much better if you start doing this. But it's one of those things where you got to kick them into gear to start doing it and to do it, you know, consistently for a period of time before they can actually start reaping that benefit of just that feeling. Um, of and I think that's the thing that probably hooks more people is if they if they do get to the point where they're, you know, consistent for a period of time and they start feeling that, then all of a sudden you just keep wanting more and more of it, right? Oh yeah, for sure. I, I mean, mean, I think one of the best things is when you see a father and his son in the gym. I remember as a kid walking downstairs and seeing my father doing you know concentration curls, sitting on the couch with a dumbbell. But you know, you may laugh at that, but that's one of the things that said. Okay, you know, may, maybe I want to start training. It. I have a training partner now. Sometimes he comes in the gym. He used to bring his son, and I remember his son in the gym when the kid was ten. And now the kid's fifteen, is on the high school football team, is bigger than most of the other kids because he got him in the gym then. And I think that can just help so much, especially for kids at that age where confidence isn't necessarily abundant. You know, you're growing into your body. There's a lot of peer pressure. Just being able to be in the gym and being in control of your own body when you're lifting the weights that has a profound effect on people. Oh yeah. And self-esteem and everything else. Um, I know. I mean, I I was night and day, different people. Um, from I went from about three ten to two fifteen in three months. And I mean, it was I was two different people. You know, I was just beaming with confidence, and you know, from that point, everything took off. I mean, I was in college, and you know, bam, went from you know okay grades to straight A's, and you know, I was just and delved you know delved fully into not just training but all aspects of my life because I just felt sure physically better but totally mentally better and just 100% self-confident there was nothing that could beat me and that was from just you know getting fit and healthy I guess well I mean you, you want to be kind of a well-grounded person right so I mean to, to just concentrate on one aspect of what you are but whether you know spiritual emotional however you want to deem it you know the physical and then the intellectual I mean it's one of those things where if you t- if you take pride in, in the person that you are and so forth, you want to you know you want to maximize the, mm. the attributes that make you who you are, and I think I think it, it makes you feel very much alive to to you know to put a certain amount of priority in the physicality, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think yeah. that's where that that whole you know Jimmy brought it up earlier. People think you know the bodybuilding aspect, and they think that people are just all they are is is food and training and sleep and home. And uh, yeah, that's true in some cases for sure. But, I mean, that's mostly true in the guys that are doing it for a living, you know, and there's still more parts to them. I mean, you hear stories of, you know, Dave Draper and, and whatnot, and these guys, they were intellectuals a bit, too. Well, the thing is, I think I think it's it's the whole sport, quote-unquote, of bodybuilding has been badly, um, you know, distorted to the general public because the only the only examples of the people who practice uh, the practitioners of that to the public are the people that you see in the magazines and those by turn are you know top amateur and professional bodybuilders and and let's be realistic most of those guys have taken that you know the, the, those aspects and they've uh, you know taking them to points where that could be actually legit, legitimately deemed as being negative or too far or obsessive or so forth but they're they're not seeing you know that kind of that grassroots movement of, of of the people who are never going to take it to that level or maybe even not even get onto onto the bodybuilding stage yeah. and and they're they're utilizing the bodybuilding lifestyle as a tool towards better things in the gym and outside of the gym right mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's amazing like it's people look at it and they think all oh, these bodybuilders are so 
they throw they throw a lot of words at them. You know, oh, they're they do the, you know low carb this and try that diet. I mean, I remember I was on a phone call with Larry Scott, who who was the very first Mr. Olympia, and I asked him about his pre contest diet and stuff, and he said. Oh well, you know, we just did high protein and lowered the carbs. Like e- even back then, all this st- all this stuff now that people are doing that. Oh wow, you got to go low carb and you got to eat high protein. This stuff people are doing back in in the fifties and the sixties and the seventies. If you, and I think the book is, is Muscle Smoke and Mirrors. You, you guys will know it. I don't think that's yes. the full name. That talks about physical culture and how we've developed. It talks about those guys' diets. They were they're protein and low carb. So when you hear that now, people are like, oh well, you were doing one of those crazy bodybuilder diets. Crazy as in something that's that's worked for fifty years, maybe, but you know. <laughs> well, yeah, what's old is, becomes new again, right? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make sense, and from a business perspective too, right? Like, you know, being a guy in his mid twenties, starting uh, starting a business, trying to get involved with a lot of projects, the discipline that I had to put in to build my body, the focus, the persistence, the determination, everything there, it transcends to business. I've just even seen that at an early, early time. In my life, that you know what, if Project A wasn't getting done, maybe I wasn't focusing on it the same way that I didn't focus on bringing my deadlift up 15 pounds. It's the same thing. I mean, if you have success in one aspect of your life, success is like a chair. And I, I want to give attribution to who said that. I don't know who I heard it from, but success is like a chair. You know, if you if you've done something successful one time, you can put one peg under that chair, and then something yeah. else two times. So why can't you be successful? You know, in business, why couldn't I be successful as a college basketball player, be successful as a bodybuilder, be successful as a businessman? You can, and I think that's all that comes from training in the weight room that people have to understand. Yeah, no, that's a good that's, point. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, well, you, I mean, you see, and you see the ones who who look at bodybuilding and kind of treat bodybuilding from more of a healthful kind of perspective, um, mentally, and how they kind of broach the whole thing. Um, an example being like Ali Labrada or something like that, you know, the legendary Ali Labrada. I mean, he's, you know, transcended the whole sport and, and taking it to, you know, and now he's, you know, he was an entrepreneur, now he's a successful businessman. Um, you know, and, and I'm I'm sure um, if you spoke with the man, he would he would tell you that, as you say, he's, he's just t- taking that discipline and that drive that he that he once had for, you know, for bodybuilding, and he's transferred it to something else, and, and he's, he's now a success at that too, right? For sure. I mean, I think I think this is just a great topic because I think the people, the people on the outside, if it's I don't know if it's for an excuse or just uh, they are uh, misconceptions. But I mean, they generally look at what we do, either as athletes or or physique-minded people, whatnot, as uh, as negative. And um, you know, then sure there are the few. I mean, I'm I see them every day that. You know, they they take this stuff to a point where it where it is stressful on them. They overanalyze things, this and that. But it's by far, I mean, that's the minority. You know, those are the right. few that you know. You can't let it run you. You have to have some enjoyment and and just enjoy what you're doing. And the majority of people out there are. I would think so. The people that last certainly are. Yeah. You know, I mean, bodybuilding lives and breathes in the gym. It doesn't live and breathe on a bodybuilding stage. Right. Uh, that's certainly that's the way I look at it. Um, because some of the most dedicated bodybuilders I've ever met have nothing to do with competitive bodybuilding. Right. So, and, and, and I can even um, extend that to again the ranks of the, the professional ranks and so forth. I mean, I, it's the famous quote from Flex Wheeler, right? When they asked him when he retired, what we, you know, um, how he was going to train, he says, "You kidding? When I retire, I'm never going to step foot in the gym again." Mm. Um, yeah. Now. He, as it's turned out, he does still train on occasion, and I say on occasion because I've heard it's a little once a week or once every couple of weeks. But the point being is, 
um, that kind of attitude for somebody who really is a true bodybuilder or a true uh, physical culturist or whatever you want to refer to it as that that's just not something that you would even consider right it doesn't uh, competitive or not you're training and you you know you're you're working out you're you're doing something physical right oh yeah for sure i mean it's part of your lifestyle i mean it's it's hard to take a week off you know those deload weeks like oh but <laughs> you know well i just took this past week off and i can tell you it's it is it's yeah. <clears throat> you 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 come to miss it yeah you know i've been training for more years than i wasn't training by by far so um, you know, your body just develops a dependence on that, but <clears throat> much better that than, you know, booze or drugs or something else, right? Yeah, and I think it's just uh, coming back to mindset again, you know. it's I think the people on the outside kind of have, like we always talk about, there's a negative view of, of exercise right. instead of a positive view. It's not something we have to do. It's something we want to do. <laughs> you know, it's fun. Well, it's amazing, yeah, because you go out on like a Friday, Saturday night, and nobody thinks twice about somebody sitting around drinking, you know, several beers and, you know, eating fat-laden food and staying up all night. Nobody thinks anything about that. That's just normal. Yeah. Right. But if you say to somebody on a Friday night, um, "Well, I can't stay out very late tonight because I have a heavy training session tomorrow," yeah. they look at you like, "What's wrong with you?" Yeah. And I'm actually saying that because that's actually my my case actually today. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody wanted to go tonight, you know, and I have a heavy squat workout tomorrow, and I'm like, you know, I I don't want to be up particularly late tonight and so forth. And they're like, oh, you know, whatever. It's always I'm like, you know, it's funny because your party is going to the bar tonight till two in the morning. My party is going to squat tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> now, which is better, which is worse? I'm not going to make judgments on somebody else, but certainly yeah. don't make judgments on me, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that yeah, might I mean, make you feel better tonight, but you're gonna <clears throat> probably wake up tomorrow and feel like crap. You know, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and feel great because I have a great workout and I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to feel great when I'm working out, and when when I'm done, I'm going to feel even better. Yeah. So, you know. I mean, at, at 26, you can't ask me to go out tonight because I know Saturday morning is when I train legs, and I know yeah. I have to be up two hours before my workout. So if I want to be there at 9, at 8 when the gym opens, I'm up at 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning when I don't have to be because I want that good of a leg workout. That's, that's, because you that, want to be. Yeah, that's the same thing I got, too. It's Saturday mornings, and that's like the most important day of the week. Well, see, so yeah, I, th- I think we're all on the same page there because it's just certain to me it's a it's Saturday workout's an event because it's Saturday and you, you can actually spend more time kind of in preparation mode and kind of, you know, doing your pre-workout rituals and these types of things. So you actually look forward to it. So it's, to me it's not a, it, it's not a, you know, a burden that I have to go to bed reasonably early tonight. It's, it's more of a, I'm looking forward to going to bed earlier so I can get up earlier so I can start that pre, you know, get the food in, get that kind of pre-workout ritual going on and you look forward to it and then you enjoy it when you're doing it and then you feel great when you're done. So it, it's hard for, probably for people like us to kind of look at people who are, you know, 30, 40, 50 years old and they've never done this yeah. and, and think, well, you know, what, when do you ever feel good? You know, not feel good mentally. <laughs> no, not feel good mentally. But when you ever feel yeah. really, you know, you feel that rush and that feel of domination and success and yeah, yeah. that elation that comes, that physiological response, right? Yeah, I mean that's totally true. I always I mean, most this people... hasn't. I was going to say this hasn't come up today yet, but I, I always think of all this stuff kind of as problem solving. Mm-hmm. And that, I, I like the problem solving aspect of training. Okay. If, in other words, if I squat 365 and I want to squat 405, how do you solve that problem? Is it right, right. You need more. You need more protein. You need more rehab on your knees. You need a better periodization system. You need to employ some other type of modality in your training. Uh, there's a lot of things that go into it, but uh, that's also why I enjoy business. You know, it's problem solving. 
I never really thought about it that way, but that's a great point. Absolutely. It's, it, it's, it's another, another avenue that makes you feel like you've achieved something. You've not actually done something or put the effort towards something, but you've, but you've actually had to kind of work your way around, like you say, training questions or to, to arrive at a goal, which kind of speaks to a lot of what Phil was talking about like half an hour ago. Well, you know, it's, it's like, there you go. It's like solving a puzzle, right? I mean, why do, why do people put puzzles together? Because you, you derive a sense of satisfaction at completing it and, and solving it. And, yeah. Uh, so I, I just, for me, I just always sort of think of training in that same way. Well, no, and that's such a great point because it's true. I mean, you, you shouldn't. I, it's amazing how many people come up to me all the time and say, "Oh, I," you know, they'll look at a weight that I'm lifting or something and say, "Oh, I can never do that." And I always think, you know, what a horrible thing to say. Don't ever say that. I mean, maybe or maybe you can, maybe you can't. The point yeah. being is. If you're willing to dedicate yourself something, and you're willing to put in, in your even if you know average genetics, what you can achieve is incredible. Yeah. And like you say, um, Charles, it's just a, a question of coming up with ways to 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 arrive at that point. Like you say, do you need as you say, do you need to eat more? Do you need to put more weight on? You know, what exactly is it that you need to do to get to that point? And usually, nine times out of ten, unless there is a physical limitation or there's something, I mean. It's just, as you say, it's problem solving. That's a really good point. Yeah, I think you know, set your goals high. You know, like don't limit yourself, like you were saying. I mean, you're, just go out there and get them. You know, if you well, you it, know, it's it's like that okay. saying, right? Shoot for the stars, because even if you don't get there, you've you know arrived at a pretty good place. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, good stuff. That's. I mean, you know, I'd, two years ago I was hoping for a 600 deadlift and 700 wasn't on my mind. You know, now I'm looking uh, for eight. You know, I've been past both of those. So, you know, it's just just keep trucking, man. If you just put your mind to what you're doing and have fun doing it, you know, awesome things happen. Yeah, I think people often say, oh, I've reached my potential, or they mm-hmm. uh, they say these types of things far too prematurely. Yeah. Like you said, you were thinking about 600 deadlift, and now you're working over it well over seven. Yeah. You want to go towards eight. That's the kind of attitude you have to have. You always have to kind of be shooting way way past even even what, what anybody else has done as well. You always shoot for something that's otherworldly. Yep. You know, because like I say, then then you're always going to, even at the final analysis, you're going to arrive at some place that's pretty damn good. Yep. You never get there. So, you know, so screw it. Why why can't you squat 1,200 pounds? Why can't you, eat, you bench 800 pounds? I mean, maybe you'll never happen. These things will never happen, but you don't think in those terms. You yeah, can't think in terms of, try. oh, that's highly unlikely. Who gives a shit if it's unlikely? Yeah. Go for it. We would have never been on the moon, and, or were we on the moon? Exactly. <laughs> I, I fully, I fully uh, believe that my my best lifts are in front of me. I'm 50 years old, and uh, I, might be dilu- I'm, I might be deluding myself, but I, I'd actually rather delude myself. Uh, you know, it, you're still going to get further down the path by by taking that attitude, regardless of what the ultimate outcome is. So, of course, and I mean, at 50 years old, I mean, you know. <laughs> Yeah, why why wouldn't you not think that way? It's just a loser mentality to not think that way. And you, you know, and and you you obviously are not a loser. I mean, you're succeeding at what you're doing. So I mean, you always have to think your your best is always yet to come. You know, there's always there's always new worlds to conquer. You know, there's always think about this. I mean, why would I be um breaking my butt doing snatches in the gym three times a week? Um and and, and risking my health and, and, and you know, all, all of the resources that entails if if I didn't think that I have a PR in front of me. I mean, why else would you be doing it? Absolutely. 
Yeah. Which is, I think, is a downfall for a lot of trainers, right? You always hear people saying, "Oh, you weight train, you do this." Oh, I, it, it's too boring for me. I belong to a gym once that was boring. I'm like, the probably the reason it was boring for you is because you never had goals. Yeah. You just walk, went into the gym and you 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 followed some workout routine that somebody gave you, and like like Charles always makes mention of these things, you know, like putting the pin in the the weight stack and all this kind of thing, and just mindlessly. Droning away with something. It's like, but if you're setting your sights on something, and like Charles says, if you're always thinking my best is yet to come, and I'm, I, I, I'm, you know, I might take two steps back and three forward and four steps back, but I'm always working towards what I believe is going to be a better place. Whether you know, in six months, a year, two years, my best is yet to come. Yeah. I mean, anybody who has any sort of drive for anything in them, I don't, I don't see how that can't motivate you to. You know, to to be more consistent, and more driven, and 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 kind of take it to that next step over and over and over again. And like I say, in the final analysis, if you do that, you're going to be in a pretty damn good place. Well, yeah, and to tie this back in, I mean, to how you know, if you can do that in the gym, it ends up bleeding the rest of your life. I mean, you hear it time and time again. Somebody that was totally wrapped up in work—that was their life. They retire, and what do they do? They die. You know, yeah, pass yeah. away, or <laughs> or their life was their significant other. Their significant other passes away. They die. Like a week later, they, and they that's the problem for, for. That's the difference between training and working out. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear people, "Well, I'm going to work out." Well, I'm training. Yeah. You know, I, I am training for something, whether it's to try to add five pounds to my curl, five pounds to my deadlift, improve my snatch, whatever it is. Yeah. I'm hey, training Jimmy, for. Hey, Jimmy, for for saying that, we're going to invite you back. You just have to test. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> no, that's that's for sure. That's definitely something that everybody needs to go to. And that's why people get so, like, frustrated when they can't lose weight because they want to lose maybe 30 pounds. So you're 30 pounds overweight. You need to lose 30 pounds. It didn't help you. You didn't gain 30 pounds overnight. You're not going to lose it overnight. You're not going to lose it in three weeks. And so when you're on week six of a diet and maybe you've lost 12 pounds, 13 pounds, people say, well, this isn't working for me. Well, well, then realize (laughs) where they were at point A. You know, very few people, very few things in life as a whole go from point A to point B on a straight line, yeah, you know, exactly. you're going to have a lot of waves, a lot of peaks and valleys. And it's the same thing with the diet or same thing with your training. But having that focus to, to train to accomplish a goal is the biggest thing. Yeah, and even worse, I mean, the people that don't even say, I want to lose 30 pounds, they just say, I want to get lean and jacked. And have a broad <laughs> yeah. goal. It's like, well, what does that mean? Yeah, you exactly. Know? What does that you mean? you got to set something tangible. Yeah. You know? I want to be want, strong. Well, If you want 20-inch biceps, write it down. Freaking make right. it happen. You know? That's the whole thing of a vision board, right? Like people yeah. knock when you come into my room, you see, you know, I have a vision board right in front of my bed that I see, and it has a picture of, of natural bodybuilders whose physique that I'd like to emulate that I'm working towards. It has business goals on it. It has written goals, and people might think that's all hunky dory. You know, it's a secret, but you know, you are what you what you what you visualize. You are what you, you know, you see. Even before like the the secret came out, you could have read books about visualization in sports and you know why did stallone uh, uh shadow box in, in rocky you know yeah. it, it's stuff like that isn't new you know it's it's it actually is there because it works oh absolutely you, you have to visualize yourself be, becoming something or being able to do something before i i believe that'll ever happen yeah. i mean if you can never actually close your mind and not villain like you know for charles or something you know snatching x amount of weight if he can't close his eyes and visualize himself doing that you know, and be confident in in his potential to eventually arrive at that ability of performance, then it's probably never going to happen. You know, you have to believe that you're capable of doing it. You have to see yourself doing it. You know, and you might not do it today, but you have to firmly believe that 
next month, six months, a year, five years from now, you're going to do it. You know, yeah, and yeah. unless you're dead, you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, man, I think we uh, we covered this topic thoroughly. Yeah, no, it was a good talk. <laughs> um, again, I, I want to thank Jimmy for coming, and uh, everybody check out his website, uh, jimmysmithtraining.com. You can find the link right on the landing page you're on now, so hit it now and go there. Um, <laughs> you know, buy seven or eight e-books and send them an email and hire him to do something for you. So, Jimmy, thanks, thanks for coming on, Jimmy. Uh, thank you guys. You guys do a fantastic show. I was a listener before anybody even, uh, you know, asked me to come on the show, and I was like, I said to myself one day, I said I'd like to be on Iron Radio, and literally within a day or two, Phil emailed me and was like, Hey, I want to get you on. So I thought that was that was amazing. You guys do a great job. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, that was thank great. You. Thank you. We'll have you back on again. Awesome. All right, guys. So I guess uh, for our listeners, I guess we'll uh, uh, catch you next week. Catch you next week, next Friday. <laughs> Good weekend, everyone. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org. If you're interested in studying diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your team. Also, to stay healthy for exercise, athletic trainers, qualified exercise physiologists,